Hello, and welcome to Live Times of Learning, a production at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. In our podcast series, we will be discussing the teachings and principles of Buddha Dharma, which is just as relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. In this podcast, we will cover Chapter 8 of the book titled Bringing Wisdom to Life, authored by Anita Carter and Frank Carter, published by Tableau Publishing in 2018, copyright held by Buddhist Discussion Centre Upway Limited. Whether you are on the meditation cushion or on your way to work, we invite you to bring your mind inside and listen to the teachings of the Buddha. Chapter 8 Overcoming Our Self-Grasping Nature The predominant way the negative ingredients of greed, hate and ignorance in our minds manifest to us is through our experience of our own self-grasping nature. Our core values and trusts do revolve around I, mine, my, me as the basis of how we relate to the world. We're seeking to satisfy our eye cravings and demands first and foremost, which is greed, and seeking to avoid the things that we have aversion to, hate, as the principal methods of maintaining happiness for ourselves. The Buddha found out that as long as we follow only these root values of greed, hate and ignorance, we will never attain any lasting peace or happiness. There are the ingredients of our suffering, not our happiness. Can you believe it if we tell you this is really the good news? It is the good news because it's the truth. If we know what the real situation is, that is the best grounds upon which to find practical and realistic methods to address the problem. Actually, the Buddha has already solved the problem. It is up to us to consider what the Buddha has advised us to do. As we learn and get to know the Buddha's path, we can recognize how it equips and empowers us to completely overcome our unwholesome minds. Then it is up to us how we live the rest of our lives. The Dalai Lama writes in his book titled The Dalai Lama's Book of Transformation. Until now, regardless of reality, we have nurtured within ourselves a whole complex of self-cherishing thoughts. We're believing something that we hold very dear and we regard as precious, something that is like the core of our being. And this is accompanied by a powerful belief in our existence as an individual being with an independent reality. The belief that there is a substantially real self and the cherishing of one's own interests at the expense of others are the two main thoughts and emotions we have nurtured within us throughout our many lives. But what is the result of this? What benefit does it bring? His Holiness continues, We are continually suffering. We are continually experiencing negative thoughts and emotions. So our self-cherishing hasn't really got us very far. In fact, 
These beliefs are the source of suffering and misery, even for the individual. Furthermore, he says, now in contrast, if you shift your focus from yourself to others, extend your concern to others, and cultivate the thoughts of caring for the well-beings of others. Then this will have the immediate effect of opening up your life and helping you to reach out. In other words, the practice of cultivating altruism has a beneficial effect not only from the religious point of view, but also from the mundane point of view. Not only for a long-term spiritual development, but even in terms of immediate rewards. The self-cherishing minds, which on the surface seem the shortest, most direct route to getting what we really want, which is to be happy, turn out to be sowing the seeds of our future unhappiness. The components of our virtual platform work against the habitual complex of self-cherishing thoughts. Parte, generosity and kindness. Whether it is from the point of view of making a large accumulation of good karma needed to improve our minds and our life circumstances, or from the viewpoint of overcoming the tentacles of self-centeredness, the important thing is to serve others' needs happily with energy and determination. Whilst you are doing good actions, also be mindful. Keep five precepts. Interact with others with loving kindness, and then dedicate the merit you produce from the good you have done to a wholesome mental state you wish to develop, or to a new skill or ability you have identified will help you to be well and happy. Our minds can improve steadily from month to month if we are making enough good causes. It is also worthwhile to reflect on and consider the benefits of developing loving kindness or metta to all beings. The practice of metta is to do with how we relate in the correct way to the other beings in our world through our thoughts, actions, and speech. Loving kindness helps us recognize that other beings' needs and hopes are equal to our own. Each being needs have the same status as our own. Each being wishes for happiness and has their own struggles in life to fulfill their wishes as we do. It is unbalanced to be egocentric, recognizing and serving only our own needs, the needs of one person or the needs of one group of persons. If we always put our own needs first. We automatically operate in a loop of greed and hate. Our habitual way to get relief from selfish desire is to chase after and hold on what I we want. Our habitual way to get relief from hate is to try and control our environment and the others in it to stop them doing what we don't want. We need to change how we relate to other beings if we are to get out of this loop. There are ten benefits of developing metta, as taught by the Buddha and listed in the Visuddhi Magga, or the Path of Purification, by Asharya Buddha Gosa. These benefits are: one, sound and undisturbed sleep; two, 
waking up happy and comfortable after sleep. Three, not having undesirable dreams. Four, liked by others. Five, liked by non-human beings such as devas. Six, obtain protection and help from devas and heavenly beings. Seven, obtain protection against certain forms of harm. Eight. Concentrate on anything one wishes with ease. Nine, acquire a beautiful and serene appearance. Ten, be able to die in an unconfused state. Eleven, be reborn in a good state in your next birth. When our meta is well developed, we will not be impatient with others around us. We will seldom become irritated or annoyed when dealing with normal everyday imperfections and interruptions of life. We will be able to discuss things with others calmly, in ways which are effective in maintaining harmony and cooperation, and we will have secured the basis of our own mental peace and ease in the world. Below is a quote by. Ashara Buddha Rakita. Meta has been identified as a specific factor which ripens the accumulated merit acquired by the ten ways for the acquisition of merit, such as generosity, virtue, etc. Again, it is meta which brings to maturity the ten exalted spiritual qualities known as perfections. Part B, expressing the five precepts in the positive form. Number one, to protect and support life. Two, to help ourselves and others have good conditions for living. Three, to be truthful, reliable, and trustworthy. Four, to develop and promote harmony with others. Five, to cultivate purity of heart. And mind to benefit yourself and others. Part C. Using and cultivating wholesome minds and not using unwholesome minds. Right effort in Buddhism is described as one, reduce the unwholesome minds which have arisen, and two, reduce the unwholesome minds yet to arise, and to three. Increase the wholesome minds which have arisen, and four, increase the wholesome minds yet to arise. Venerable K. Sri Damanada explains, right effort in his book What Buddhists Believe. Right effort means that we cultivate a positive attitude and have enthusiasm and cheerful determination. Whether in our career, in our study, or in our practice of the Dharma, with such a sustained enthusiasm and cheerful determination, we can succeed in the things we do. We decide to be kind of person. We decide to relate to others we know and meet with generosity and lightness of heart. We choose to become friendlier, offer others more warmth and more love. We consider others' needs and offer our help when it will be beneficial. We have gratitude for the kindness of others. 
It does not mean we become martyrs to everybody else's happiness or sacrifice our own welfare at the expense of others. That would be going too far the other way. We relate our own needs through being kind to ourselves rather than being greedy for ourselves. It means we are more balanced than being egocentric, which is essentially a biased and narrow view of life. We look after ourselves and others, not only ourselves without others, or ourselves at the expense of others. In one shift, we move from self-centeredness toward kindness to each being we meet in our life. Other people have done this before us. So many people have made this kind of transformation in their lives. By doing it, we are countering all our growths and some of our subtler defilements and afflictions simultaneously at once. Occasionally, when we do experience strong negative minds, Buddhist practice teaches us skillful methods to weaken them. Whilst every defilement of the mind has specific antidotes which are particularly effective, the general method for escaping from the grip of strong unwholesome minds is described in the Majjhima Nikaya. 1. Change the object which your mind is focusing on, particularly change to a subject which is wholesome or calming. 2. If when giving attention to a wholesome subject, unwholesome thoughts still arise, reflect upon the danger of these thoughts, that they are reprehensible and result in suffering. 3. If when reflecting on the danger of these thoughts, there still arise unwholesome thoughts, try not to be mindful of them, not give them attention. 4. If one not giving attention to them, unwholesome thoughts still arise. He or she should give attention to the removal of the source of these thoughts. 5. If while giving attention to the removal of the source of these thoughts, unwholesome thoughts still arise, he or she should, with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the palate, restrain, subdue, and suppress mind by using mind. When students would express concern over difficulties they were having to our teacher John Hughes, he would often reply with the question, How many flower offerings to Buddha have you done today? How many incense offerings? Usually the students would reply, None. This gives us a hint The negative types of consciousness we experience won't initiate the basic remedial action to reduce the disturbances. A mind with anger, for example, isn't inclined to weaken itself. It is more interested in being angry. That is its nature. This is the nature of all the defilements. At this time, if we are passive, the negative mental state will continue to occupy center stage. As is described in the first strategy listed above, we need to change our focus to something wholesome. We should start by noting the mental state as it is. This is annoyance arising. It is not me. It is just a transient mental state. Annoyance is not beneficial and can lead to anger, so I choose not to act on it. 
Firstly, we're just noting accurately what is arising. We are noting it is nature, and we're collecting it is impermanent and not what we are. We remind ourselves we do have a choice, and we don't need to follow the unwholesome mental state. Like many things, if we practice this approach, our ability to let go of the negatives will improve. We need to deliberately identify an alternative to being annoyed. Decide to adopt a new attitude. Do a fresh wholesome action, such as offerings to Buddha, some Buddhist chanting, some activity we usually find pleasant or enjoyable. Make a clear switch, like a train on a railway line, reaching switching points and going in a new direction. The unwholesome mental state doesn't have any switching points. We have to build these points in our track as a sustained choice. The Buddha's words from the Dhammapada is below: careful in speech, controlled in body, aware of the workings of the mind, patient under insult, never angry. This is the path of great progress. If you think about it for a moment, if you want your mind to improve quickly, if you want to create many good causes for your own well-being and happiness, then the quickest way to do this is to help others to do that. This is why many Buddhists decide to offer their help to a Buddhist temple. Buddhist temples exist for the purpose of helping and supporting people. Who are working to build their own happiness and well-being with the aim of attaining nibbana, the goal of the Buddhist path. Therefore, by offering help and contributing to that activity, that process, this really becomes one of the fastest and easiest approaches for your own development. Offering our help to Buddhist monks and nuns in the same way creates wonderful good causes for our own well-being because of their purity and attainment, because they are dependent on the ongoing support of laypersons to continue their practice towards enlightenment as a monk or nun. This concludes Chapter Eight of the book titled "Bringing Wisdom to Life." Thank you for listening to our Lifetimes of Learning podcast. To listen to other chapters of this book and our other recordings, please go to our website www.bdcu.org.au and click on Dharma Teachings. Or you can go to our online World Buddhist Radio station from our website by clicking on Buddhist Radio. May you be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy.